Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests this year on the Goodyear Hotline. And we're with you on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, the ESPN app, and your smart speaker, and a very happy new year to one and all. It is nice. I've said this a million times, and I mean it as much as I ever have as we begin this new year with so much hopefulness, so much anticipation that I don't want to look at it as though it can't get worse. I want to look at it as though it's going to be better. To me, there's a subtle but significant difference between those two thoughts. 2021 is not going to be better because 2020 was so bad. 2021 is going to be better because 2021 is going to be great. And let's make it that way together starting today. And I have a million different places to go. But anyway, what I was starting to say was that it is very nice. And I recognize that I'm a very fortunate person that I have the kind of job that when you come back from a vacation, that I'm actually excited to be back. I, I, I hope I never start to take that for granted. And if you ever sense that I start to take that for granted, then you need to let me know because that's when it's time to let someone else come sit in this chair because it's a privilege to be here and it is a thrill to be back. And I'm delighted that you are with me and we are going to have a terrific year talking sports together. And I'm excited about it for today. There's only one place to begin. And that is with a round of applause. Uh, a round of, that's what we have. Huh? We have a three second round of applause. <laughs> Okay, I was hoping for a little more than that, perhaps, but I, we begin with a standing ovation, an absolute standing ovation today for the men, the women, and the children who are responsible for the National Football League getting to the finish line of their season. They scheduled 256 games with the idea that they would be finished and played to their completion the first Sunday in January. And you tell me, going back to April back to June, back to August? How about October? Did you believe they would do it? Because I will tell you right now, if you don't have to inject me with truth serum anymore because it's in the past, and I told you I was going to be optimistic, so I never told you what I really thought, which was I didn't think they had a chance in hell. I had no way in the world thought we'd be here today. I thought for sure they'd have canceled X number of games and were figuring out winning percentages if we were even lucky enough to get that far. And so an extraordinary job done by one and all. And obviously, I mean, the buck begins and and to some degree ends with Roger and everybody at the office, but it's everybody. It is the sacrifices made by all the players and by all their families to remain healthy through all of this as best they could, to fight through it as best they could. And I would say that all things considered, yes, there are some teams and some fan bases that probably have little minor complaints But generally speaking, the pandemic did not decide this season in any meaningful way. This was a National Football League season that was decided. It was played to its completion, to its conclusion, and it was decided the way it should be on the field. And that is an extraordinary accomplishment and should not be taken for granted. Because I didn't for one minute think that they would get here. So congratulations to everybody over there. For everybody involved, and again, in no way should the families be overlooked in this. The families of all these players and all these coaches who had to, I'm sure, pick up so much of the slack that, that even they normally have to do. I mean, families always bear the brunt of it during a football season because the time is so overwhelmingly rare for these players and especially the coaches. But this year, probably more than ever, more than ever before. 
I wouldn't know personally, but it seems watching it from a distance, it can't possibly have been any other way. So here's a three-second standing ovation. Congratulations and a job well done to everybody involved, literally every person involved in providing us with a season filled with entertainment. It was a great year. It was a great NFL season. Your team may have stunk. Lord knows mine did. There were plenty of things to be unhappy about, but they were all the usual things. It was a great NFL season. In the middle of a, of a global pandemic. So I say congratulations to them and good, good for them. And I, I hope that people... Um, I hope that people appreciated it because Lord knows I did. All right, that's the first order of business. The next is breaking news, which continues to come in on this day. The first Monday after the end of the NFL season is always one where we see coaching changes and firings, and today is no exception. We know that we entered this uh, firing cycle with three vacancies that predated this weekend. The Texans, the Falcons, and the Lions had all fired their coaches, and the Jets fired Adam Gase last night. The Jaguars fired Doug Marone this morning. And in just the last half hour, in case you have not been near your radio or near your phone or wherever else it is you get your news, the L.A. Chargers have fired Anthony Lynn. I cannot critique that one. I cannot criticize that decision as much as I like A. Lynn. I I like him a lot. Um, He was a regular guest for those of you who watch my TV show in the morning when they made their playoff run a couple of years ago, he came on get up every week and it was, it was great. And I like him and he is a a, a very close friend of Rex's. So I know a little bit about him and look, that team playing with a rookie quarterback who got the job under ridiculously weird circumstances, played itself into a, a reasonably respectable. I mean, if you just step back, it's a respectable season. They were seven and nine. They won their last four games. In a vacuum, that would sound like he deserved to get another chance to coach this team. But if you watched them, if you saw the seemingly never-ending cavalcade of of mistakes, just like Keystone Cops-esque kind of sloppy football, I cannot criticize the decision to make a change. I believe if I were in the position to make that decision, I would have made the same one. And so I think that vaults right up near the top of the most attractive coaching vacancies because they got a lot of good young players there and the quarterback looks like he's got the makings of being a superstar. So we will dive into the relative attractiveness of some of these vacancies as the show continues today, but I would say Chargers goes right up near the top. Not at the top, but near the top. I'll tell you what the number one most attractive job is coming up a little later this hour. Meanwhile, here with Greeny on ESPN Radio... It's time for some Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And I will say this. I told you they played 256 games this NFL season. They saved the worst for last. What you saw last night was a mockery of the sport. An absolute disgrace by the Philadelphia Eagles and by their head coach. There's no other way to say it. That was a disgrace. Everyone knew what was at stake last night. Everyone knew why that game was moved to when it was moved to. Everyone knew what was hanging in the balance, including the Philadelphia Eagles. And is it their job to go against the best interests of their own organization to try and make a good show for the rest of the NFL? No, but that's not what they did last night. Last night, they made a purposeful mockery of the sport. 
And Doug Peterson's explanation, candidly, is an embarrassment. Yes, I was coaching to win. Uh, yes, that was my decision solely. Nate has uh, obviously been here for four years, and I felt that uh, he, he deserved an opportunity to, uh, to, get some, to get some snaps. I have to cut it off right there. I, 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 can't, I have to cut it off right there. Nate has been here for four years, and he deserved the opportunity to get some snaps? Was it his senior day? And all of a sudden, and Ryan Clark said it exactly right on TV, where his parents waiting at midfield with a bouquet of roses to congratulate him on a terrific career. He's been there four years, so he deserved to get some snaps. You know who should be getting snaps, who should be getting looks, is the young quarterback you had out there who had run for two touchdowns already. He's the one you're figuring out if he's your future. If you had put Jalen Hurts in at that point to try and see what he could do, it would have made more sense. Putting in Sudfeld was waving the white flag. It was tanking during a game. It was gerrymandering the situation. And I don't give a darn about the Giants. I don't care who wins that division. And I'm not sitting here complaining about it because the Giants didn't win as a result. You win six games in a season. I don't think you have that much room to be that upset. But it doesn't change that what the Eagles did last night was a disgrace to the sport. An embarrassment to the sport. And Doug Peterson should be ashamed of himself. How could he stand there with a straight face and say, I I felt that the kid, Sudfeld has been here four years, we deserve to get some snaps. You tanked an NFL game. You should be ashamed of yourself. Did you see Deshaun Watson yesterday? That game was meaningless. Did you see Matt Stafford playing with three different injuries? He had a rib, he had a thumb, he had something else. And he's out there playing at 5-10. and Because football players play and football teams play and football coaches coach. And your $100 million quarterback is sitting there as a healthy scratch. That's a disgrace, an embarrassment. No one lost more in the eyes of people who care about football this year than Carson Wentz. He had the worst season of anyone in the National Football League. But even he isn't the story. Because Wentz Wentz would only have mattered if Hurts had gotten hurt. And they didn't have Wentz to go to. Wentz being a healthy scratch last night is a disgrace unto itself, but that's his disgrace. But then to take out Hurts, the only way you can get away with doing that last night is if it's three touchdowns. If you're up three touchdowns or you're down three touchdowns and you wanted to get Sudfeld some snaps because he's been there for four years, then I could live with it. Everyone could live with it. But to 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 decide what you decided with everything that was hanging in the balance is inexcusable to me inexcusable. Dan Orlovsky agreed. Last night was a mockery. It was an absolute mockery. We hear the term tanking in sports all the time. And we as ex-players will often say, listen, front offices, they will tank. Yes, because it's better for their organization long term. Coaches and players just don't. You just don't see it. They're not wired that way. Last night was the first time that I felt I saw it. A coach obviously tanking. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. So that's what everybody on TV with me this morning thought, and is most certainly what I thought. I'm interested to get into this and much more with my friend Lewis Riddick, who is my first guest of the new year. My first guest of 2021 is the great Lewis Riddick, who joins me on the Goodyear Hotline. A very happy new year, my friend. How you been, Lewis? I'm doing all right, Greeny. How are you? Uh, we are good. Uh, all, all is well here. But I was very frustrated. I opened the show in a great mood. I opened the show by giving, uh-huh. by giving all the congratulations in the world to everyone involved in the National Football League. 
to have scheduled yeah. 256 football games in the middle of a pandemic and to have gotten to the finish line on time and intact with what I think all things considered was an excellent season is an extraordinary mm-hmm. accomplishment. And so I opened with yep. that with that feeling of goodwill. And then I got to last night. <laughs> And the good yeah. the goodwill kind of went out the window. So I, I won't prejudice the jury any further. Lewis, what was your takeaway from the way the Eagles handled that last night? Yeah, I think it was similar to many of the other different things that I've heard. Look, I think Jason Kelsey summed it up. And Jason, someone the center of the Eagles, is someone who I, I've known a long time. He was he was there when he was signed by the great Howard Mudd to his first rookie contract and has become an all pro. And look, he, he said this, look, when, whenever you, whenever players feel as though that the people who are making decisions aren't really trying to win football games and do everything they can to win football games, you run the risk of totally jeopardizing your credibility and your standing with the people in the locker room. And I think that really, look, I, I don't really care about how pissed off everyone else is and, you know, all the other different things that people are saying about get the league involved and all that kind of, I, I don't care about that. What, what I do care about, though, is when, when players express that kind of sentiment previously, and you know it, and then you wind up doing what looks like is an obvious attempt to not really do everything you can to win a football game, that's when, that's when the ex-player in me kicks in and goes, look, man, I mean, I've been there. I've been on crap teams. I've been on teams where you knew that things weren't – that you weren't going anywhere. You weren't playing for the postseason. But it's never been a situation where, to the very, very end, I wasn't trying to fight for everything I could as far as trying to win that game and put good film on, uh, you know, on my resume for the next year. And the coaches never made me feel as though they weren't trying to do the very same thing, even though they knew they were likely going to get fired. So what you saw happen last night kind of it, it pokes at all those instincts that you have and brings back all the memories you had when you were on bad teams and you sit there and you think have I ever been in that situation and how would I have felt if I was in that situation and I can tell you this just look at this you you saw the looks on the players eyes in the players eyes and on their faces last night they knew what was going on I don't care what anybody says they knew what was going on and now Philly's going to have to address that internal they're going to have to address that internally. Forget what we're saying right now on this show. Inside that locker room, they're going to have to look at every one of those veteran leaders who are going to be on that team in 2021 and recapture and reestablish their credibility with them because there's no way you cannot look at them sideways now and go, okay, when the rubber met the road and you knew that we weren't necessarily playing for anything other than our own pride, you didn't care about the fact that here in week 17 of the season, I'm still out there fighting and clawing in one of the most brutal contact sports that there is, and you weren't necessarily looking out for me. Those are the things they're going to have to address. And I can tell you, that isn't always pretty. Because man-to-man, you can have some very, very heated, heated exchanges with that. And if you lose a locker room and you lose credibility within, you know, within your locker room and people don't respect the fact that, or respect you in terms of you looking out for them, that's hard to recapture, man. It really is. It, it can take a while if you can recapture it at all sometimes. And I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm just being real about the situation. And that, that's where my mind went to as I, as I was watching that and then started thinking about it. Because that, that's, what, that's what Doug Peterson and everyone else in Philadelphia has to face right now. No, I, I totally agree, and I'm glad that you said it because I think it carries a lot of weight coming from you. Greeny and Lewis Riddick with you. Time now for some Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Let, let's put a smile on your face. You played uh, during your career for the Cleveland Browns, and I know how much pride mm-hmm. you have and how much affection you have for the fans in that city and for the history of that franchise. And 
for two generations now, that history has been pretty ugly. And yesterday, they make their way back to the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. What are your thoughts on what they accomplished there together this season? Yeah, how cool is that, man? How cool is that that they're actually able to play in the postseason? Now, the interesting thing about it is, you know, as happy as I am for the fans, and even though they can't pack that stadium full like you would love for them to be able to, because I, I, I played in full in front of a fully – you know, stocked stadium with rabid Cleveland Browns fans, and there's nothing better than that. But I mean, the the only the only issue now going forward is this: now for the third time, they have to play the Steelers this year. For the third time, and I've been through that too. As a matter of fact, uh, I went through that in '94. We had to play them three three times, and we lost to them all three times. And that is something that now they're going to figure out if they can get over the hump and figure out a way to beat this team. Because again. I've always said this. It changed from hope to expectations last year. It came. It changed from well, we hope we can compete to now we expect to compete, and now it has to change even further to we expect to be able to win a game, and we expect to be able to beat our big brother that uh, that's only an hour and a half away, or however long that drive is from Cleveland to Pittsburgh. We have to find out find a way to beat them. We can't lose to them three times. We can't. So that now now that's the big challenge. And I think if I'm, a, if I'm a Cleveland Brown fan, if I'm a Cleveland Brown player, that's what I'm fired up about. And that's what got me fired up during my time there. This was always the game. Cleveland-Pittsburgh was always the game. And to have to go now to Heinz Field and play there, I mean, how, how cool is that? How cool is that for Cleveland to go into, the visiting, the, the, into your big brother stadium and see if you can figure out a way to beat them? Because they are one of the most one of the most well coached teams in the NFL. I love Mike Tomlin to death, and I love this rivalry. And I couldn't be happier. Could not be happier for Browns fans. Greeny and Lewis Riddick, straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. One more for you quickly, and we have a great one coming up. You and Steve and Brian and the whole crew will have an excellent one this weekend as we get six games this wild card weekend. Kansas City and Green Bay, the teams that earn the bye. So as you look around mm-hmm. of the teams playing this weekend. Who do you have your eye on as the one that is the most dangerous to make a run all the way? As you, as you just sit back and say, all right, if Kansas City is going to lose or Green Bay is going to lose, who is it we're going to watch this weekend, whether it's one of the teams you've got or not, that you say to yourself, yeah, this is a team I could see making a run all the way to the Super Bowl? Yeah, look, I, I, I'll, I'll give you a two-part answer to that question. One, I think our game between the, uh, the Titans and the Ravens is the best game. Mm-hmm. No question about it. It has the best drama. It has all the star power in the world. And there's a there's a bit of rivalry between these two teams. That's going to be a fantastic Sunday. But the team that I think right now is loaded for Bear and can really make a run, obviously, is Buffalo. They just what they did to Miami yesterday. They made they made it look like they weren't even trying, and they just and they put fifty plus on them, like in the blink of an eye. And all kinds of people were contributing. So not only are their front line players good, but their backups are good, and they have the right mindset right now. They're healthy mentally and physically, and that is a scary combination. And now. Now, I mean, think about this. Think about just having to go to Buffalo at this time of year to play them. And then think about Buffalo being one of those teams that can travel anywhere and play you. So they've got it all going on. I, would, I mean, I hope, I hope that they get the rematch with Kansas City in Kansas City this time because Kansas City put it on them in the regular season. And they put it on them in a very physical, brutal way in terms of running the football. I'd love to see that rematch. That would be one of the most exciting games of the entire year, minus our Browns-Ravens game in Monday Night Football. That would be something to watch and something I'm anticipating happening. The Ravens are actually a four and a half point favorite 
at the Titans in the game that you guys have. The Bills are a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Colts. We'll look forward to seeing all of this. And, Lewis, I'll see you on TV Thursday morning. Again, Happy New Year, my friend. I'll see you later in the week. You bet. Thanks. That's Lewis Riddick with me here on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Really good stuff. So much to do today. We're going to be really busy. I got to go through some of these playoff matchups. I got to go through more of what happened yesterday and as the season comes to an end. But up next, as promised, I will tell you what is, without question, the best coaching vacancy in the NFL, and it is not the one everyone else is saying. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Greeny with you as we roll along here on ESPN Radio. Reminder tomorrow, we're changing times. We'll still be together every single day for two hours. I hope you'll hang out with me, but I will be starting two hours earlier, 10 a.m. Eastern, coast-to-coast here on ESPN Radio. And as always, if you can't hang out with me the entire time, which, again, I wish you could. I hope you can. But, look, you have a life if things you're doing. So if you miss anything, you can always catch up. The show's a podcast every single day. It's called Hashtag Greeny. Each hour becomes its own podcast And you can listen to it anywhere you get your podcasts. So, right before we came on the air today, for those just joining us, and actually Christine just went through it in the Sports Center, we now have six NFL head coaching vacancies officially with Anthony Lynn fired by the L.A. Chargers today. Again, I can't criticize the move as much as I like him and as much as stepping back from it and saying 7-9 and with a rookie quarterback and some of the things that happened doesn't sound so bad. But when you really watched them, it was, I think it was clear There were major coaching issues there. So I have no problem with that one. The Jaguars haven't won a game since week one. That one was obviously coming. And the Jets, um, it goes without saying, Adam Gase, I think, did that job as badly as I've ever seen anyone do a job in my entire life. So those three, the more recent coaching uh, firings, no surprises there. And they join Houston, Detroit, and Atlanta as far as vacancies. And a quick thought on that. There's always one you don't see coming. Right? There's always that one you don't see coming. So what's that going to be? Currently, there are six vacancies. That would make this a very mild, that's the wrong word. It would, it would make it a below normal year as far as coaching turnover. Doesn't feel like that's the vibe. Feels like in 2021, that's not the way people are going to go. I think they're going to be less patient, not more. So I, I believe that there will be other shoes left to drop here in the next day or two. Of course, I 
for the sake of these guys in their jobs. I hope that I'm wrong, but we will see. But as of right now, with the six vacancies, Adam Schefter tweeted, Jacksonville has more to offer than any team hiring a new head coach and or GM. Jaguars have the number one overall pick, 11 total picks, over $100 million in salary cap space, and strong ownership. NFL execs and coaches find the Jacksonville situation highly appealing. Well, I can't argue with Shefty telling us that that's what others find appealing. But if you ask me, that is not the most appealing coaching vacancy right now. There's no history of success there. So when you say strong ownership, I guess it means that Shad Khan is a rich man and isn't going anywhere. But he hasn't demonstrated, he hasn't given anyone any reason to believe he has any idea how to put a winning football team on the field because they've basically stunk forever. They made that one run to the AFC Championship game a few years ago. Outside of that, they've gotten just about everything wrong for 20 years. You have to go back to Tom Coughlin and Mark Brunel for the last time that thing wasn't a mess with the exception of that one year. And everyone's a, It's a franchise everyone wants to get the hell out of. Now, maybe the people that that they all wanted to get away from are gone now, Coughlin and Caldwell, and I don't know about Marone one way or the other. But I don't know that that's as attractive a vacancy as others are making it sound. The one that many people will say is the least attractive is the one I would say is the best. The more I've given this some thought and actually watching the games yesterday solidified in my mind, the most attractive coaching vacancy is the one in Houston. Because the quarterback is Deshaun Watson. And there aren't four people walking the face of planet Earth I'd rather have as my quarterback than him, and that includes Trevor Lawrence. If you gave me the option right now to have Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson as my quarterback for the next 10 years, I would take Watson. Not because I know that Lawrence is going to be bad or isn't going to be great. I just don't know what he's going to be. I do know that in the last three college football playoff games I've seen him play in, he was the second best quarterback on the field in all of them. I'm not taking anything away from him. Everyone loves him. He seems like a terrific young man. He's going to be the first pick in the draft, and I hope he is a spectacular superstar. But I don't know what he's going to be. I know what Deshaun Watson is. And I know that he just had, he, Deshaun Watson, just had the best season any 4-12 and quarterback ever had. And if you watched them yesterday, it was a perfect microcosm of their season. He was brilliant, brilliant. And his team found every imaginable way to lose a game. So Deshaun Watson is the quarterback I'd want to go coach. And at the end of the day, if you've got that, you got that right, you got a chance to succeed. This is a team that was in the playoffs, in the second round of the playoffs a year ago. They hosted a playoff game a year ago, won a division a year ago. Made the most ridiculous trade you've ever heard of in your entire life. Completely devalued the franchise and sucked all the air out of their locker room by trading away DeAndre Hopkins. Now, they, they, they are starting from behind the eight ball. I get it because they traded away first and second round picks for Laramie Tunsil. Now, one way or another, they have Deshaun Watson and no one else does. So unless Kansas City somehow became available, Houston is the job you want because of that quarterback. It, to me, it's as simple as that. You got him, you got a chance. By the way, as far as this whole idea that Urban Meyer is going to be the next coach in Jacksonville, I'll believe it when I see it. I know Urban, he came and worked at ESPN between his stints at Florida and Ohio State. And I have, through my relationship with Chris Carter, I've been around Urban a little bit. And I think he is a phenomenal, phenomenal college coach. I have no idea 
if what he likes and what he believes in will succeed on the pro level. And if I were in his shoes, I don't think I would do it. If I were Texas, before they hired Steve Sarkeesian, I would have rented a truck, the biggest truck you could get. What's the biggest truck? Brandon, my stage manager in the room, what, what's the biggest truck you can get? How, how much could you put? Like, what, what is the truck that you put, like, mail in, right, that travels across the country, those huge trucks that when you see them coming on the highway, you think to yourself, if this thing passes me, it's going to take five minutes before I can't see it anymore. That size truck. And I would have loaded it up with Texas oil money, and I would have driven it to Urban Meyer's house on the golf course at Muirfield in Columbus, Ohio. And I would have said, here, Urban, take all this money. Come coach Texas. Because that he could do. He would have Texas in the college football playoff in three years. Lock. Lock. And if he goes back and coaches another college team, he will have that team in the college football playoff in one recruiting cycle. Lock. In the pros, I don't know. And I will be shocked. Just color me as one who will be shocked if he decides to do that. I've heard the reports like everyone else has. I don't see it. Again, I'll be the first one to tell you I was wrong if I am. Lord knows I've been wrong about plenty of things before, but I don't see it. I do not see Urban Meyer coaching the Jaguars or any NFL team next year. I believe he will come back to coaching, and I believe it will be in college. He's doing fine. He seems to like what he's doing in broadcasting. Let him do that one more year. Sit back, see where the lay of the land is this time next year if he doesn't have a vacancy right now that's sitting there that he wants, and go back and coach in college. Maybe even go back to Ohio State if Ryan Day decides to go to the NFL because that's the guy that if you're an NFL team you want. Ryan Day is the guy you want. Shefty reports that he's not interested in taking any interviews. We'll see what winds up happening with that. And everyone will ask me about Pat Fitzgerald. I'll get to him in a couple of minutes as well. We'll talk about him, and I will explain to you coming up next who the MVP candidate is who will get absolutely no consideration for the award, but he should because of a statistic that will boggle your mind. The most impressive stat of the entire 2020 NFL season is next. My name is Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. All right, Greeny with you as we continue here. Dan Orlovsky will join me off the top of the next hour. And another reminder that starting tomorrow, we will be changing times, moving up two hours 
uh, earlier. I'll still be with you coast to coast here every single day for two hours. I hope you'll be with me. Meanwhile, coming up in just a moment, a statistic that is going to flat blow your mind and is an excellent indication of how one person who will get no votes was really the NFL's most valuable player this year. So we'll have that and more. But I, I did want to address quickly the name Pat Fitzgerald as an NFL coaching candidate because so many people are asking me about it. He has been the coach at Northwestern for 15 years. That's my alma mater. I actually graduated a few years before he got there and covered the teams that he starred on and led to the Rose Bowl. Northwestern's only Rose Bowl appearance since the 40s came in the 1995 season, January 1st of 96, and Pat Fitzgerald was a superstar linebacker on that team. He was hurt that year, but that's not the point. Anyway, I know Fitzy well. I know him a long time. And I will tell you that um, I will say only two things about it because I know nothing about it. So I will tell you that the, the policy I have with people, you can, you can make of this what you wish, but I don't have close personal friendships with too many people that I might have occasion to cover for exactly this reason. Because I don't want to be in a position where I'm keeping secrets from you. I come on here on the air every single day. I tell you what I know. If there's something I know, I tell it to you. Every now and again, I get things wrong. But by and large, I'm telling you what I know. I'm not holding back anything I don't know. And that's one of the reasons I try very hard not to mix too much business with pleasure. Because you get yourself into a position where I'm trying to remember what it is I'm supposed to tell you and what stuff it is I'm supposed to keep private. And so my relationship with Pat Fitzgerald is such that, we've had this conversation, I tell him all the time, don't tell me anything that I shouldn't tell the world, because I don't want to keep it straight. I consider him a friend. He, is a, had done a, he has done a brilliant job at Northwestern. If his heart tells him what he wants is to go to the National Football League, I will root for whatever team he coaches every second that he is there, regardless of what team it is and regardless of who they're playing against. What he has done at my alma mater, at our alma mater, is unimaginable. He will be beloved there forever. I hope he stays. If I had to bet on it, I would bet he'd stay. He will stay. Um, I don't know that. But again, that's the point. I've told him, don't tell me anything you don't want the world to know. Because I don't want it. A, I don't want to keep track of what things I'm not supposed to tell you. And B, I don't want there to be anything I'm not telling you. So I don't have any information you don't have. I've read what you've read. And my gut feeling, just knowing him as I do, is that I believe he will stay. But if he decides to go to the NFL, he is a great coach. He will succeed anywhere he goes. And as I said, I will root for his team above all other teams if he does decide to make that move. All right, next up is our fascinating stat, which is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. And this is an incredible statistic, and it demonstrates why Derrick Henry really should get consideration for MVP. I know that this is a quarterback award. And I know that Aaron Rodgers is going to win it, and he deserves it. You are not going to hear me complain when Aaron Rodgers wins the MVP. He richly deserves it. His season was extraordinary. And so was Patrick Mahomes's, and so was Josh Allen's. Those three guys will finish one, two, three, in, I believe in that order in the MVP voting. Maybe with the way he finished, Allen even jumps ahead of Mahomes. Doesn't really matter. Aaron Rodgers is going to win. But this stat on Derrick Henry, to me, is unbelievable. If Derrick Henry had not had a single carry in the first halves of his team's games this year, he would have finished fourth in the NFL in rushing. Fourth. 
in just the second halves. He rushed for over a thousand yards in the second halves of games because Derrick Henry does what no running back has done since Earl Campbell. He wears your defense down. He gets stronger as the game gets deeper. All these other guys, you got to have these two back systems because they get worn down. You can't give them 300. What do you have? 380 carries this year? Something like that. It's close to 380. And again, he rushed for over 1,000 yards, 1,076 yards after halftime. If he had not touched the ball in the first halves of his team's games, he would have been the fourth leading rusher in the NFL. That's our fascinating stat brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. And actually, history tells us Derrick Henry yesterday ran his way into the Hall of Fame. Not because of his 2,000 yards rushing. He's the eighth player to do that. But, oh, my goodness, I want to give credit where it's due. Guys, tell me if you, if, if you were watching the game, who did Tennessee and Houston yesterday? Who was doing that game? It was a phenomenal game. Whoever did it, the play-by-play announcer was the one who said this stat. So I went and looked it up. And he said that every running back, going back through the, to the merger, basically to World War II, that has won consecutive rushing titles, is in the Hall of Fame. And so I looked them up, and it's true. If you look back over the course of time, the running backs who have won consecutive rushing titles, Derrick Henry just did it in his second straight year. Prior to him, the last guy to do it was LaDainian Tomlinson. He's in the Hall of Fame. Before him, Edger and James. He's in the Hall of Fame. Before him, Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith. Actually, from 1990 through 97, either Barry Sanders or Emmett Smith led the league in rushing every year. So those two both at different times had consecutive rushing titles, <coughs> both in the Hall of Fame, of course. Before that, Eric Dickerson. Before that, Earl Campbell. Before that, O.J. Simpson. Before that, Leroy Kelly. And before that, we're back to Jim Brown. That's as far back as I went, because I figure when you go back to Jim Brown, you've gone as far back as you need to go. So going back to Jim Brown, and thank you, Bubba, it was Greg Gumbel, who was doing the game on CBS yesterday, who said that, that every running back, he said going back to World War II, I didn't take it back in the stats, I just went back to Jim Brown. But every running back who has won consecutive rushing titles, and it's so few. Listen how few names that was going all the way back to Jim Brown. But every single one of them is in the Hall of Fame. Derrick Henry is as important to his team as you can be. And yes, Ryan Tannehill has been rejuvenated, by, by uh, particularly by the offense that he plays in, coached by Arthur Smith, who's going to get a lot of head coaching looks now, probably will be a head coach in the NFL next year. And he's got a terrific receiver. He actually has a bunch of good receivers because everybody knows A.J. Brown. He's great. Corey Davis is a good player, too, and he's big and strong. They've got big, strong, physical receivers. John U. Smith is a pretty good tight end, but it all centers around the running back. It is all built around Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is what makes all of it go. And when he goes, they're very tough to stop. And he is the reason that they've got a good chance, I think, to make a run here. That Tennessee-Baltimore game, it's, it's a shame those two teams are matched up immediately because those are the two teams I would have taken to make the deepest run out of the wild card position. Now one of them is assured of going out week one. But Derrick Henry, in the second halves, he carries his team. He deserves MVP consideration. Coming up next, a team that should be thoroughly ashamed of itself. ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.